Thank you, Scout. And uh, it's good to be in worship with all of you this morning. And when I say all of you, I can really say all of you because we have all ages together here in worship. Um, If I don't know you already, my name is Brian and I help lead the middle school and high school ministries here at Bethany Green Lake. And it's just a joy um, to be part of that. Also, happy St. Patrick's Day. I had a little crisis when I was informed I forgot to wear green, but the buttons on my watch are green, so I'm in the clear. Uh, But it is good to be together with you in worship. We're going to continue a sermon series that Pastor Richard started last week called Seasons, A Time for Everything. And the big idea today, if you like need to leave early or you're going to stop listening, Just hear this. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the sermon right now. The big idea this morning is that whatever season you find yourself in, a good season, a hard season, a bad season, or maybe just a boring, mundane, everyday kind of season, uh, it's still part of God's bigger story of redemption. And whatever the season is right now, it is not the end of the story. And there is something good coming at the end of the story. Jesus knew this in his life here on earth. Jesus experienced feasting and fasting. He had seasons of a lot of friendship, seasons where he was lonely, rejected, uh, even beaten and betrayed by his friends. And so whatever the season is, God is writing a bigger and a better season, a better story. Today we're going to talk about good stories, uh, some favorite stories, what makes Stories good. We're going to learn a new word together, so watch out for that. Uh, you're all going to be super smart when you go back to school tomorrow. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how the knowledge of God's good story gives us hope and endurance in whatever season we find ourselves in. So, will you um, join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the gift of uh, being together in worship this morning. Um, I'm mindful, even this weekend, um, that we live in a world that is so broken. God, we do pray for the people in New Zealand. Uh, We pray for the Muslim community there. We pray for Muslim friends and neighbors here in our own city, in our own community. Um, God, that you would grant them safety, peace, that we would be good friends, that we would be good neighbors. I ask that we would all learn something new from your word this morning, God, um, and that in learning more about who you are, Jesus, we might learn more about who we are. We love you, and we do pray in your name. Amen. So we're going to start off this morning talking about stories, and we love good stories, right? Even just right now, with this story of Moana, which I've seen before, I think just once, Uh, As Caitlin and the kids were kind of retelling it, I found myself with this expectation, what's going to happen when we get to the end of the story? And that was just the one minute version. Uh, Stories have a really big role in societies all through human history, but there's a secret that I have to tell you this morning. If you don't know this, I hate to break it to you. Almost every story is exactly the same. Sorry. Uh, So there's a slide that that illustrates this a little bit. Uh, There are lots of different theories of storytelling. This is just one. 
But almost any story that we can tell or that we've heard fits into this framework somewhat. Once upon a time, something was happening, and then there's some kind of problem, a conflict, and then at some point, the story turns whenever, you know, Moana does the thing that Moana does, uh, and then things get better, and there's a happily ever after. Uh, In my own life, one of my favorite stories is represented by the next slide. Uh, All right, the sermon's over. Thank you for coming. That's it. Uh, No, but even Star Wars fits into this framework. There's this kind of nothing boy on a desert planet who is suddenly caught up into this intergalactic space battle between good and evil, the rebels and the empire. And then there's this moment where we don't know if they're going to make it, but they do. And Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star and things are good in the end. All the heroes get medals. He doesn't quite get the girl because we learn later that wouldn't be a great thing. Uh, yeah, but for a moment, we kind of wondered. Um, and, and another slide as well, another story that some of you may know. Raise your hand if you've seen Frozen. Okay, now raise your hand if you've seen Star Wars. Uh, I think more people have seen Frozen, and I don't know, work on that. Uh, But in Frozen, and I will confess I need more notes for this one than Star Wars, uh, there are these two princess sisters, Anna and Elsa, but Elsa's snow powers go crazy, and there's conflict, and we don't know if there's a way for things to end up good in the end. But at this moment when we're not sure if things are going to end up all right, Anna ends up becoming unfrozen because of her sister's love. And there truly is a good ending. So why do we get so drawn into good stories? Well, I'll answer that question in a second. But Richard is gone this weekend, meaning we can do whatever we want. And so we're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, And actually, I'm going to give you a discussion question and have you turn to some neighbors and talk about it for a minute. The question is here up on the screen. What is your favorite story and what makes it good? Go ahead and find three, four, maybe five friends, hopefully some people of different generations, people you didn't know when you came in, and take a couple minutes to talk about that question. All right, it's always sad to cut people short in the middle of great conversations, but it is the job that has been entrusted to me. Uh, I do hope you were able to maybe chat with someone you didn't know before you came this morning, perhaps hear about a good story, a book or a movie or something that you might be inspired to go check out. But it is true, we're, we're caught up in good stories. And what's up, guys? Uh, We're caught up in good stories, and there's, I think, a lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons is that good stories, stories that kind of follow this pattern we talked about, resonate with something deep inside of us, because the big story, the big story that God is writing in creation, the God of love who created us, who when we ran far away like the prodigal son, has chased us down, has redeemed us, and wants to be with us, good stories echo that story in some way. Uh, One of my favorite authors knew this to be true. He knew that the gospel 
uh, the story of God's love for us was kind of woven into all kinds of stories that people tell. And so there's a slide, uh, yes, Lord of the Rings. Frodo looks so intense in that picture, doesn't he? Uh, Tolkien, one of my favorite authors. And when you're as kind of legit as J.R.R. Tolkien, you get to just invent your own words. And so Tolkien actually invented a word to talk about one of the most important points in a story. And the word is this. The word is you catastrophe. Uh, we can practice it saying together. You can repeat it after me. You catastrophe. You catastrophe. Okay, at the eight o'clock service, they were quiet and I told them they sounded like a bunch of Lutherans. But I can't say that because my Lutheran family is here this morning. <laughs> But now I've said it. Let's try it again. You catastrophe. You catastrophe. It's a funny word. It's probably not a word that you've used before. Uh, but it comes from, from two parts. And there's a slide here too. The first part is the Greek prefix you, which means good, uh, like euphoria. And the other part is catastrophe, a sudden widespread disaster. And unfortunately, in this world, I think we know catastrophe all too well. When there is a season that comes upon us, whether it's the loss of a job or sickness or loneliness, some kind of betrayal or just sadness for some reason, maybe the loss of a friend or a family member, and it feels like a catastrophe. And Tolkien said, that's true. There are catastrophes in stories and in this world, but that's not the whole picture. And isn't there something where the opposite happens, where when this catastrophe happens, everything kind of falls apart? And so he invented this word, eucatastrophe, and the definition is here on the next slide. A sudden, unexpected turn for the good. A sudden, unexpected turn for the good. When all the unraveled parts seem to come back together in a way that we never imagined would happen. This is when Luke Skywalker is on his way working with the rebels to try to blow up the Death Star and it doesn't seem like they're going to make it because Darth Vader is pretty good at flying that TIE fighter. And the smuggler who we thought had left just to take the money and go home, Han Solo, suddenly flies back in sudden, unexpected turn for the good. This is when Aragorn suddenly shows up with the armies of the dead at the Battle of Minas Tirith. This is when the ring is finally destroyed uh, in Lord of the Rings. And I learned from someone at the last service that the day the ring was destroyed is like the same day that was traditionally Easter in the church. Some cool connection. That's all I know. Uh, but this is a moment that we're all often waiting for, isn't it? A sudden, unexpected turn for the good. And this is where our scripture reading for this morning uh, finally comes into the picture. Galatians 4.4, Paul writes this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem us. Uh, the coming of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his ministry, his miracles, his death on the cross, his resurrection on the third day, is the eucatastrophe, is the sudden, unexpected turn for the good of human history. 
You guys, when Jesus came, we could not have planned it. We could not have expected how it would happen. But it was a turn for the good. And you might be thinking, Brian, I've heard this before. I've been to church. Are you just going to stand up there and tell me Jesus came and it was good? Uh, Yes. That's why we're here this morning. Uh, And I mean that in all seriousness. I think that we forget this story very easily. Yeah, I know. Sometimes there are seasons of sadness. Uh, We can know this story in our heads, but I think my question for you is in your heart, however you would define the season of life that you're in right now, do you believe that something good is coming? That something good has come in Jesus Christ and that he is returning? Do we really believe that? Uh, Paul said it this way. He said, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us, the ungodly. People created and loved by God who had said, you know what? We think we might just kind of want to do this on our own. God did not give up on us. And why was it the right time? What does it mean that this was the fullness of time, which is the title of the sermon? I don't know. Only God knows. God is the master storyteller. The one who from creation all the way through the end of eternity is writing this big and beautiful story that we are a part of. And God knew just the exact moment when he needed to come in human form as Jesus Christ in order to save us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One author uh, on a blog put it this way. He says, Jesus embodied life is the original eucatastrophe. There's your SAT word for the day. The modulation of key on which the song depends, the brilliant punchline, it is the central moment which, within the grace of time, shines a glory backwards and forwards in history. History was never merely linear with Christ's time on earth as one more little point in a line among other points. Instead, all of history hinges upon him. Jesus says to us, I have come that you may reinterpret the story, that your perspective would be exceeded by my grace. In the fullness of time, Jesus came and the story changed. Something turned. Now, this morning you may be thinking, that's great, Brian, but I don't feel like that's true. Maybe you simply don't believe that that's true. Or maybe you believe that that's true, but whatever you're going through in life right now is just so stinking hard that you wake up in the morning and it doesn't feel like there's hope. Uh, If that's what you're saying in your mind right now, that's honesty. And that's good. Our desire is never that we would come to church, that we would come to worship together and just pretend that we have it together. Or just pretend that things are okay. God does not meet us as people who are pretending that everything is fine. No, God meets us as broken people. 
as frustrated people, as sad people, as confused people, who are wondering if the story will really actually come back together in the end to have a good ending. And when I say God meets us in that, I don't just mean that God is kind of looking at us and saying, oh, you seem kind of sad. The ending will be good. Trust me, I'll see you then. Uh, No, God came as a human in Jesus Christ here to earth. And scripture tells us that whatever hardship we have faced, whatever temptation we face, Jesus has faced that as well in a very, very real way. So whatever it is that you feel this week, and maybe the season you feel right now is good. You're like, man, springtime is on the way. Things are awesome. The sun is out. I'm taking sick days this whole week to go hiking. Good for you, maybe. Is that lying? I don't know. Um, It's a mental health day, I think. Uh, But maybe it's a hard season. Jesus has been there. And we see this, uh, friends, in scripture. Uh, Paul uses this funny phrase in his first letter to the Corinthians. Paul says, we are the people on whom the ends of the ages have met. He means there's this broken, fallen world that we live in, and that is still true. We know that that is the case. We see that around us. Yet at the same time, we know that Jesus has not only come and died, but he has been risen from the dead, and the new creation has been got, has begun. Paul calls Jesus' resurrection the first fruits of the new creation. So we're living in the midst of these two realities. Things are hard. Things are broken. It might be a really hard season. Yet Jesus has risen, and you know we'll celebrate that when we get to Easter. But here in Lent, we're in this in-between time, right? On Ash Wednesday, we said we've come from dust and to dust we shall return. When we get to Easter, we will celebrate Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. What do we do when we're, when we're in between? I think there's a couple stories from Jesus' life where he shows us maybe what it means. Um, and in these stories, Jesus gives us two words, two pictures of hope and endurance. Um, in John chapter 11, Jesus gets word that one of his very best friends, a man named Lazarus, is sick. And Jesus eventually goes to the town of Bethany, which our church is named after. uh, And by the time he gets there, his friend Lazarus has died. And a few things happen. One is that scripture tells us Jesus wept. And Jesus didn't weep by himself. Lazarus' family and friends were weeping as well. Jesus didn't just show up and say, you know what, I'm God, trust me, things will be fine in the end. No, he showed up and he cried with them. And not just sympathy, not like, oh, you're crying, so I should cry too, so that's what I'm supposed to do. No, this was his friend who had died. So Jesus weeps with us in the midst of difficult seasons. Yet at the same time, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Weeping, grief, mourning, yet at the same time, new life. How do we hold those two together? It's because Jesus had hope in knowing how the story ends. 
Hope is not pretending that hard things don't come into our lives. Hope is not ignoring challenging seasons and challenging situations. No, hope is having an eternal perspective, as Jesus did, in the midst of those situations, knowing that in the end, God is writing a bigger and better story. In a similar way, in the fourth chapter of Luke and also in the story in Matthew and in Mark, Jesus finds himself in the desert right after his baptism. And it's there where he encounters the devil who uh, faces him with some temptations. And I would call in short these temptations like get-rich-quick schemes. The devil says, hey, are you hungry? You can turn these stones into bread. You want to be powerful? All the kingdoms you see can be yours. Do you want to be spectacular? Leap from the top of the temple and won't God's angels save you? And Jesus resists these temptations for comfort and power in the short term, in the moment, because he knows that faith is not a sprint. It's not just being happy in one moment, doing whatever you can do. So in this moment, right here today, I can just feel good and I don't care what tomorrow brings. Now, Jesus has endurance, knowing that faith is a marathon, and we're in this thing for the long haul. And that's okay, because God is with us in it for the long haul. Jesus runs this race with us. We do not run alone. And so whatever the season is that you feel like you might be in right now, And I don't know what that is for each of you. Abundance, scarcity, health, sickness, looking for a job, wishing you had a different job, uh, sadness, maybe a lot of friendship. Maybe you're really anxious about where you're supposed to go to college or you're just anxious about an exam you have coming up in school this week. Maybe like so many people, you're just frustrated and confused and angry that there's yet another shooting at a place of worship, innocent people in our world killed for no reason. Whatever the season is in your life, this is the good word this morning. The story is not over yet. The Apostle Paul says the present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed in us. God is faithful, friends, to keep this promise. Scripture tells us that at the end of all things, God's dwelling place will be with his people. He will dwell with us. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things will one day pass away. God says, I am making everything new. And so in the meantime knowing that our world is broken and that's where we live. But there is a beautiful, good end of the story. What do we do? How do we live? Living between the times, as it were. I think we look to Jesus and not just look to Jesus as a model for hope and endurance, but look to Jesus to know what it means to live differently Because we, as people who know Jesus, who love him, who trust him, who believe him, we know the end of the story. This can be big things and small things. This means welcoming the stranger 
in your community. This can mean just being a really good friend to someone at your school who maybe doesn't have a lot of friends. This means particularly this week being a good friend and neighbor to Muslims in our community, letting them know they are welcome here, that they are safe, that they are loved. It means offering hospitality to the poor. When we do these things, friends, we declare that loneliness and sickness and sadness and death do not have the final word. We live differently because we know in the fullness of time, at the end of all things, Jesus will come again. Raise your hand if you have read the Chronicles of Narnia in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's a good amount. Good job, everyone. In, uh, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis writes about uh, these four children who find their way into this magical land of Narnia. Uh, but there is a problem. There's a curse upon the land. An evil witch who calls herself a queen has made it so it is always winter, but never Christmas. I don't know what your life feels like today. Perhaps it feels like always winter, but never Christmas. But the characters in this story begin to hear whispers. And the message they hear whispered even among the trees is that Aslan is on the move. Friends, this morning and this week, our God, our Lord Jesus, is on the move. Something good is coming. Friends, springtime is coming. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word this morning. Um, I pray for everyone gathered here in this room and those worshiping with us in the chapel or online. God, would you be ministering to us, um, teaching us what it means uh, to believe what you say, God, to believe that your words are true. We love you. Uh, we pray for the rest of our morning together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we continue in worship this morning?